Amen. So good to declare those things that are true. Um, we've been, uh, well, let me say it a better way. God has led us into a season this summer uh, to focus on prayers of renewal uh, in Scripture, um, that we've been looking into Scripture throughout this summer on where we see the people of God crying out to God, asking for healing, asking for new life, asking for renewal. And we've, we've defined renewal in, in this way, that it's when new life comes into to people, into to communities, into even cultures, when people have been aligned or realigned with God's presence, where they've pursued God, where they've met God, where God has met them, where they've experienced God and been transformed, been changed, that they've experienced new life, life for the first time, renewal. And, it, and then it moves into God working through them and other people for his kingdom purposes. This is, this is what we see happening over and over and over throughout scripture. One of the things that we've talked about is that renewal happens, renewal falls, not just when people are in God's presence and experiencing God, that's the most important part of it. But the, the narrative, the rhythm, the, the way that we see it regularly happening in scripture, in the story of God in the Bible, and then also throughout the history of the church, is that it follows a, a time of crisis, that crisis kicks it off. It, it raises a sense of urgency that there's, there's something wrong and that people fall down on their knees, that they pursue God, that they cry out to God. We've been in a season of prayers of renewal and it's so obvious, it hardly requires saying that as we look at the world around us, our world is in, new, in need of renewal. It's in need of healing, it's in need of saving, that there's so much that is wrong and broken around us. And if you've been hiding out and not looking at a screen and not talking to anyone, that might be news to you. But most of us talk to other human beings and we look at the news and we, we look at our phones and we have information and updates constantly coming at us and so we're to some degree aware of what's going on in the world around us. And there's too much to be aware of that we could possibly digest all of that. What I want us to do together today is to, is to pray. That we would, we would stop and that we would say, God, we, we see what's going on around us and we wanna stop and pray. And, and so we're going to do that together. We're gonna to do it here in this room. If you're together with a house gathering, would you do that together in some way? Follow us as we prompt and lead through these next few moments. If you're on your own and you're just listening to this or you're watching somehow uh, and you're just with a few other people or just by yourself, pray, pray together. Let's all be praying as the church together that we would join not just with our church but other churches around our city and around our world that are crying out to God and saying, God, we need you to move. But before we do that, I wonder if we need to be reminded of, of who we are when we pray and why God would, would invite us to pray, would invite us to talk to him. We've been looking through what's commonly known as the Lord's Prayer. Um, the disciples' prayer, the model prayer. We've spent a number of weeks on it this summer, and Jesus begins that by saying, when you pray, just knowing that we're all praying in some way at some time. People that don't even believe with God cry out in prayer at times. When we pray, Jesus just says, when you pray, pray in this way. And part of that prayer is that his will would be done in us, in our lives, and then in the world around us. The way of talking about that is that there would be more of his kingdom coming 
in us. And I want to read a, just one verse that comes from a letter where a, a follower of Jesus, a disciple, a leader, one of Jesus' first leaders, writes to, the, to his friends, his people, his fellow disciples of Jesus who are struggling in a time of chaos. And I want to read just one, one sentence that he writes to them in this letter of, of sober reality mixed with encouragement. He defines the situation that it's chaotic, that it's difficult, that it's painful, that it's challenging, that their faith in Jesus is, and one another is even being challenged, but then he offers this great encouragement. And part of the encouragement is just reminding them who they are. And so we need to hear, if you know and believe and walk with Jesus, you need to be reminded in this moment who, who you are, who we are. So the, the leader is Peter, one of my favorite disciples, Peter. But he writes this letter, and in, in the, he writes two of them. In the first one, 1 Peter chapter 2, he says this. And he's talking to his fellow followers of Jesus some 2,000 years ago, but he's talking to us today as well. So this is to us. This is describing me, and it's describing you. It's describing us as a church. It's describing the church of Jesus in the world today. And Peter writes this. Here these words are spoken to me and to you this morning. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Out of darkness and into his wonderful light. There's a lot packed in there. There's a lot of identifiers as this is who we are. I wanna just pick one. It calls us, this letter, these words from God, call us a royal priesthood. A royal priesthood. I, I don't know how many of you feel qualified even to be in like the normal priesthood, but this is like an upgrade from the normal priesthood. So however far you think the, the priesthood is above you, but it's, it's, like, a, it's like above that. It's like the royal, pri it's like the highest priesthood. Now, most of us don't ever think about being in the priesthood. I, I have at times, because I'm a pastor, and every once in a while somebody will say, well, so are you like a priest? And I was like, well, I don't really know what a priest is exactly in your mind, but I'm, no, I'm not a priest. I'm actually, I'm fine just if you call me Tim, that's great. But I've, I've thought a little bit about being labeled a priest or being in, in a priesthood. But I want, I want that just to sink in for a moment, that we are the royal priesthood. Not an average priesthood, not like a great priesthood, but the royal priesthood. Now, as we label ourselves that, as you, as you hear that and let that sink in, that we are the royal priesthood, we also need to be reminded that we, we didn't pass an exam, we didn't do anything, we didn't study hard enough, write well enough, live purely enough to earn any standing in the royal priesthood. None of us did. I didn't, you didn't, you don't know anyone who did. There's never been anyone who has done well enough, been smart enough, been holy enough to earn their way into the royal priesthood. The God of the universe looks at us and says, you are the royal priesthood because of what my son, Jesus Christ, did for you. That because Jesus lived, died, and rose again, that he conquered death, those of us that believe in Jesus are labeled the royal priesthood. 
Now, I do know this about the priesthood, that for those that are, he was writing to, they would have heard this as the, the special set-aside holy men in our culture that would go into a temple and do some stuff, some, burn some stuff, sacrifice some stuff, clean up some stuff, recite some stuff, pray some stuff, do some stuff in the temple, and then they would come out. And we knew they were priests, and they dressed a little bit different and ate a little different. They looked a little different. They were different. But they did some things that we didn't quite see that was in the temple, and that was part of them being the priest. Now, when we're called royal priesthood, when we're called royal priests, we're invited into something similar, but it's not tucked away in a building, and it's not secret. It's actually all open and available for us, and it's intended that wherever we go, that the presence of God goes with us. And instead of doing something in a in a building that others can't see. We're meant to be priests out where everyone can see. And one of the things that's going on there is that the presence of God is with us. Wherever we go, whatever we see, whatever we know, and we're invited to be in constant conversation with the God of the universe. We don't have to go into a building in order to get into conversation with God, that wherever we are, whatever we're doing, we're invited to be in conversation with God and to ask for the things that we need, to look in the world around us and see the things that are not right, that are broken, and to cry out to God on behalf of those that are experiencing pain, loss, death, disease, hardship, difficulty, whatever it might be. Here's the other thing about being a priest. Their understanding then would have been that when we go into, the priests go into the building, they meet with God in a unique way, and that's not limited to a building anymore. But they step out of the world and they step into God's presence. And for some of us, we have a little bit of a, of a twinge where we, where we say, I want to step out of the world for a moment and leave all of that chaos and difficulty and confusion and strife out there and come into God's presence. And while God gives us hope and safety and security, he doesn't ask us to leave all that outside. In fact, we can't leave it all outside, that we, we actually bring it with us. And that God is claiming he's powerful enough with us wherever we are to overcome that and that we can stand and be royal priests and be light in a very dark world because of what Jesus has done for us and in us. And so I wanna begin right now by inviting us into a time of communion so that we can be reminded of who Jesus is and what he's done and not only what he has done but then what that does for us and in us and who it names us as, that we are a chosen people, that we didn't fall or trip into this or discover it on our own, that God came after us, that we are a royal priesthood, that wherever we go, we have the presence of God with us that we can declare and claim and ask for what we need. And this morning, particularly as we see the brokenness in the world around us, that we're a holy nation, that we're a set-aside people for God, that he would renew us over and over and over and over again throughout our lives, throughout history, that his purposes would come through us. If you would find some kind of commun communion elements, if you're at home, if you'd find some kind of bread or cracker, if you'd find some kind of juice, wine, something liquid. If you're in this room, feel free to walk to the lobby or to the back here over the table where there's that cup that, I don't know what the percentage of, it's like, I don't know, 14% of all the cups are really, really sticky. And so if you get one of those, I'm really sorry you can go grab another one. There's nothing unholy about getting a second one if you need it. But if you could 
push down on that tab and then pull back on it. There's two parts to this, and we know this. But Jesus was nailed to a cross after being beaten, that his body was broken for us and nailed to a cross. And so we take that wafer as a sign of his body broken. We take the bread as a sign of his body broken. And then we take the juice as a sign of his blood shed. So I'm gonna pray and invite us to take together. And then we're gonna sing and then we're gonna, we're gonna pray together through the things that we see around us that we know are in our world around us that we don't have the answers for. But as royal priests that we would cry out to God and say, God, would you bring about hope and healing to this? Jesus, we declare that you are alive and that you can hear us and that you are with us at all times, that you promise to never leave us. Jesus, we declare that you are all powerful, that you were there at the beginning, at the creation of the world, that you will be there to redeem us at the end, that you will live forever, that you have lived forever, that you are eternal, and that you humbled yourself for us, that you came out of your great love for us, that you lived a holy and sinless life and gave of yourself, that your body was broken, your blood was shed, that you were nailed to a cross, that you died, that you were buried, and to fulfill what you had said before and what others had said about you before you came, that you would conquer death and that you would rise again. And so we put our faith in you, knowing that we are forgiven fully, that we bring all of who we are, all the parts that we're embarrassed about, that we're ashamed of, we bring them all and hold them before you, know that you make them as white as snow, that you forgive us. And that in your conquering death, you demonstrate the power that you have in this world today. And so as we take this together, your body broken, your blood shed, we claim your grace and your forgiveness, your debt paid for our sin. In the name of Jesus, amen. Good morning, church. Um, if you have been watching the headlines, if you've been watching the news or reading on what is happening, you're aware that there is an utter crisis in Afghanistan. We're gonna pray for that today. Afghanistan is full of people that God loves. And there's a story that we're not hearing in the media, but that we get to be part of as the church. And that's a discipleship movement that is happening. Afghanistan is a closed country. It is very anti-Jesus, and it is very against his church. Routinely, um, people now are being captured, persecuted, and martyred. And some of what is happening right now is that this is targeted at women Women and children are particularly unsafe now that the Taliban has stepped into power. We see some of that. We see some of what's being stripped from women of their rights, just as human beings with dignity. But what we're not seeing and hearing is that this movement, this church discipleship movement, is actually the fastest growing church in the world. And that it is happening through women who are discipling other women. 
So when we hear that Afghanistan is under threat, that the Taliban has taken over, this is a direct assault against women and women in the church, and it impacts everybody. Scripture tells us when one part suffers, we all suffer. So our identity is in Jesus, and our identity is that we are part of something. We are part of his church, and that church is global. So as Jesus followers, we want to pray. We want to pour out our hearts. I have a couple things that I'd love to lead us in praying for. One is that the women and children would be supernaturally protected. Right now, the Taliban is requiring people to put X's on their doors if they have women inside. And if they don't put the X on there, the entire family is subject to execution. There are Jesus followers that are fleeing to the hills, to the caves, and all bordering countries are closed to them. So right now, they literally live with the only hope being God. So we as his church want to pray for their protection. And then we want to pray that as people give their lives to testify for Jesus, that the church would explode as it already is that more and more people would come to know Jesus. We are hearing stories over and over right now of Jesus vis uh, visiting people in visions and dreams, people in closed countries that can't hear the gospel. We wanna pray even that Jesus would come to the Taliban in visions, in Paul-like visions, that he would say, why are you persecuting me? and that the Taliban even would give their lives to Jesus. We wanna pray against the dark forces that are behind all of this. Our struggle is not flesh and blood. It's in the dark forces that are at play. And our prayers impact that. We are warriors for that. When we plead with God and we as his church stand in unity with his heart of love for all people. So I feel just charged with standing in solidarity with the church in Afghanistan. And I wanna invite you also you can stand as we pray. You can kneel. Whatever posture reflects your inner state with God. I want to invite you now as we pray to step into that posture. I also have just a special invitation to the many kids who are in this room that I'm seeing all around us. And I just want to invite you in particular to be praying because you matter and Jesus loves you and he wants to hear your prayers. So will you pray with us as his church? If you'd like to stand or kneel, please do. We stand with our brothers and sisters. I'm actually gonna pray after I read a passage, 2 Thessalonians. 
and I'm going to read this for the church in Afghanistan. As for other matters, brothers and sisters, pray for them that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored just as it was with you. And pray that they may be delivered from wicked and evil people, for not everyone has faith. But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen them and protect them from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord that they are doing and will continue to do the things we command. May the Lord direct our hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's unspeakable the things that are happening when we open our consciousness to it, when we open our hearts to it. The heaviness is so real. Our brothers and sisters suffer and suffer for you. Jesus, would you wake up the church to take on the charge of lifting up our brothers and sisters around the world? Would you wake us up to hear from you, to worship you, to loudly proclaim who you are, and then to pray for courage and perseverance for those in our world who are experiencing suffering. Jesus, for those running to the hills and the caves, they are living out the reality that we know is true, but we forget that our only hope is you. Would you be so alive in their minds, so alive in their hearts? Would your spirit encourage and empower them? Would they know that the global church around the world is united with them? That we care, that we are lifting them up in prayer. And Jesus, would you change us as we do? Would you remind us all week? Would you wake us up to pray? Jesus, I pray for the women and the children right now who are targeted, the Christians who are targeted. I can't imagine what that is like, but I do know that you know and that you care and that you are near to them. Jesus, we pray for your comfort as they cling to you, their only hope. We pray that as they stand up in perseverance, as they stand up in your empowerment, that more and more people would come to know your salvation, that even their persecutors would come to know you. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus, who can make all things possible. And Jesus, we pray against the evil forces in the spiritual world that have taken captive the hearts and minds of men who have submitted to the evil and wickedness. Jesus, we pray against that. We pray against it in your name. We know that throughout scripture, you empower women to bring the kingdom that they are necessary, they are important. 
We pray for the kids that you love. Jesus, we pray that in your name, evil will be stopped. And Jesus, we ask you to come soon. We ask all of this in your name. Amen. You can be seated for a moment. We're uh, now going to direct our prayers to the nation of Haiti, to a people who are familiar with strife and once again find themselves suffering and grieving due to uh, an earthquake and tropical storms. And Haiti is uniquely near to our heart as a church family. Um, we have had partnerships there going back 14, 15 years, and have had people in our church family there in the nation of Haiti, including Dave, who um, is going to share an update that he heard with us um, just this morning, and he's going to pray for the nation of Haiti. And uh, when, when we do pray, I want to, as Kim did, invite you to stand, kneel, stretch your hands, but, but we're going to pray for the nation. As Adam has said, and some of you have watch the news but uh, with all that's going on uh, in the news today sometimes uh, Haiti drops off the map a little bit but for 18 months two years uh, the country has been in chaos uh, political unrest assassinations uh, gangs rule the country uh, streets are unsafe kidnappings rapings um, uh, people being held uh, for ransoms, uh, food shortages, uh, it just goes on and on. And uh, in the midst of all that is the church and our connection to a communi communities uh, in Haiti. And um, this morning we received a, uh, an email from Pastor Delamy who has been um, the primary leader that we've worked with over the years. And he reported that he has joined together with uh, pastors and leaders in three of the churches where the recent earthquake occurred in the South to ask them to pray. He has called them to prayer, just as we're doing this morning. And as I reflected on that, um, a couple of things came out to me as I read that message from Pastor Delamy, and that is that he is always reminding us of hope. He said, we have hope in all circumstances. And as we sang this morning, a way maker, a miracle worker, promise keeper, that's who you are. That's who he's talking about. He's talking about a God who's bigger than all the circumstances. And I dare to even wonder what else can happen because it seems that things do keep happening that are tragic as people are starving and, and in need of medical care that they can't access. But in the midst of all that is God. God is present in all circumstances. And as Pastor Delamy invites us in his his own uh, leadership team to prayer, I this morning extend that to us as the community as Mosaic and as we stand with the brothers and sisters in Haiti in those churches because 
I believe that he understands one principle that we sometimes forget, and that is that what they really need is God's working, a miracle worker in this midst. We may have plenty, we may be inconvenienced, but we experience nothing that the people do in Haiti on a regular daily basis. And he is crying out for God to intervene. And so I ask you to join me in prayer this morning that we might cry out to God and join with our brothers and sisters in Haiti that we may ask God to have mercy. So please uh, stand, kneel, or whatever you're comfortable with. But <sighs> Father, Son, and Spirit, this morning we come to you remembering that your people through the centuries have cried out to you when they've come to the end of themselves, acknowledging that they cannot change what they're facing, that what's before them is beyond their own ability or understanding to know how to go forward. And yet you are present and you are there loving your people, caring for them, and so we ask Holy Spirit that you people in the church in, in those communities that he serves and to all of Haiti. Lord, we pray that, uh, that your presence would be felt, that uh, you would bring uh, supernatural changes to government to leadership, to key people who can bring change. But it is through your power that we trust and that we believe and that we know that you can work. We, we are your people, your hands, your feet, your eyes. And we just uh, cry out to you today that you would intervene, that you would open a new door, that you would encourage the people in ways that only you can. So, Lord, um, our hearts are broken, and uh, we, uh, we just acknowledge here in Portland that beyond you, we, it's not just money and, and, and other kinds of support, but it is our crying out to you that can change these circumstances. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. have a seat. Um, my name is Connor and this is Katie and uh, Katie's, Katie's a nurse at Providence Hospital and as kind of a third prayer movement this morning we just want to pray for kind of the ongoing um, ramifications and complications of COVID um, in, in our families, in our church, in our city, in our nation and, um, and as we do that we're just aware that the number of cases are increasing again, and um, hospitals here and around our country are at their max or, or, or attempting to serve people at overcapacity. Um, there's a certain degree of like uncertainty that seems to be welling up even in my heart. Um, and then the other reality is that school starts in a couple weeks. And, and so we wanna, um, rather than problem solve, we wanna pray. And um, so we wanna do this too, specifically for you, if you are a, a medical professional or a first responder 
or if you're a student or a teacher heading back to school in the next couple weeks, um, as Katie prays, I'd love to invite you to stand and for the rest of us um, to stand as well. And if you have somebody around you who is fits one of those categories, would you extend a hand towards them just in solidarity and, and uh, believing that God will bless them and protect them? Um, but yeah, Katie, will you lead us in prayer? Abba Father, um, thank you that you allow us to come to you, that you ask us to, that you want to hear our prayers, as Kim reminded us um, not that long ago. Thank you that our prayers actually are like incense in your throne room right now, as that royal priesthood, Father. Um, there is so much... Um, chaos and confusion, and as Connor said, there are so many uncertainties. Things are unknown, and that's dissettling. It's not settling at all. And for those of us who are in caring professions, um, it can be even more unsettling. Um, God, I confess that when I've been confronted with things that I haven't understood in this past year, um, people, that I have a hard time understanding. Um, God, I confess my, my quickness to go to judgment and frustration because I just want to understand. Um, and yet I'm reminded of your scripture um, that says that we can have a peace that passes all understanding. God, I'm also reminded that um, in isolated spaces, um, it, it's very easy for us um, to to feel alone and to feel that isolation um, on this earth right now in the spaces where we live and work um, and where our hearts are. God, you actually walked this earth. That's what I'm reminded of today. Um, you walked with your people and you saw suffering like this. Not only did you see it, Father, um, but then you endured the cross for us. And right before you left this earth, you gave us a gift. You gave us the Holy Spirit, and the first thing that you called Holy Spirit was peace. You said, my peace, I leave with you. And so God, today I'm standing in a space where I'm declaring um, that I have peace. Whether I feel it or not, God, I have peace. Each one of us has peace. And as we go to work, and as we look to the next few weeks, and as we're confronted with uncertainty and things that we cannot understand, God, would, you, would your peace invade all of those spaces? And would I step in obedience knowing that as a royal priesthood, as a daughter of the king, as sons and daughters of the king, that wherever we step, your peace is. It's in the isolated rooms of patients struggling to breathe with COVID. It's already in the hallways of our schools and the classrooms. And it's most importantly, Father, in our hearts. So would you allow your peace that passes all understanding to change, to awaken our hearts, and to allow us to give you glory in those moments when our hearts break, um, 
to know that you are life and breath. Thank you, Father, for that gift. And thank you once again for your gift, defeating death. And God, I ask that this peace, um, that courage would be a byproduct of that as we look to see how we can continue to awaken our hearts to the things around us and be obedient to the things that you ask us to do. In your name, amen.